Please be advised that this episode carries a content warning for plot lines regarding fertility and gaslighting, as well as heavy religious themes. Happy holidays and welcome to Certain Point of Yule. Now is the season of our Christmas <laughs> content, which means that we plan on watching those new Christmas movies so you don't have to. I'm Frankie. I'm John. And joining us today is Molly Heber Wilson, my favorite musician in the world. Oh, oh that's so nice. <laughs> I don't even know what to do with that. <laughs> Molly was the mastermind behind the theme music for my other podcast, Circle of Friendship. And it is, it, it slaps, it's, honestly. It slaps, it slaps so it's hard. Real Thank good. you. Um, I actually had a lot of fun writing it. It was one of the first things. So this is like, I'm going to go on a tangent already. Uh, I wrote it on the piano. And it's one of the first things I've ever written just on the piano instead of in my head. So that was a fun new uh, experiment for me. And I actually really liked how it came out. Although I will say a lot of the depth and a lot of what makes it super interesting was definitely added by Robert, who was the other person who helped write it and kind of took the theme that I had and made it a lot cooler. So credit to him <laughs> also. Uh, but yeah, I'm super excited to be here and to see your beautiful faces. I know everyone else can't see them, but I'm excited to see them. I'm excited to see you too. I miss you a lot. I miss you too. Molly, what is your favorite thing about the holiday season? Um, I mean, I actually, I love the holidays. I have a almost Thanksgiving birthday. So I like to think about the whole holiday season as just celebrating me. <laughs> uh, all the time. Um, but no, I really like Christmas trees. I really like um, I really like finding things like gifts for people. I genuinely enjoy that sort of thing. But I won't lie, like as a uh, as like if I had to pick my most favorite thing, it's probably the food, right? It's gotta <laughs> be the food. <laughs> There's some like, real good food in the holiday season. I just, I love a peppermint. I love, uh, I love just in, in a nice indulgent spread. Uh, I made, we did Thanksgiving at home this year. And it's the first time I've ever been responsible for like most of Thanksgiving dinner. And I found a maple tart with an oatmeal cookie crust in the New York Times. And it was the best thing I've ever made. And I'm terrified that I'll never be able to replicate it again. But yeah, no food. <laughs> That's a solid answer. I try. This is like the one time a year that my mom makes a pecan pie. And mm -hmm. um, I would commit crimes for that pie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, I love a holiday that is built around cookies, you know? Oh, yeah. Cookies are important. I haven't baked in so long. Do it. Do it. I keep trying to think of some sort of way to like do a safe cookie exchange and there's no way it's not possible, but I keep being like, but what if, nope, nope. It involves a lot of people having to be in the same place. Damn. <laughs> I used to make an oatmeal butterscotch cookie that would knock your socks off. What? Okay. Recipe yep. for that will be sent to me following the podcast. Great. Absolutely. I just have to find it again. I take, yeah, just so that everyone knows this is now a podcast about cookies. I hope that's what you wanted. <laughs> There's a lot of podcast spinoffs that happen <laughs> <laughs> during our setup. I bet. So 
Molly, what is your favorite holiday movie? Okay. So I looked at this question a couple minutes ago and I had to think about it because I I love a holiday movie. I like the super cheesy Netflix ones. I usually don't go full Hallmark. However, uh, in reality, the answer has to be Beauty and the Beast, The Enchanted Christmas. <laughs> I forgot about that one. Oh my. See, it's a sleeper. It's a sleeper, but it's so good. And it That's is it. on Disney Plus right now. And I watched it the other day because I saw it in a friend's Instagram story. And I was like, oh, I forgot about that movie. And I pulled it up. And I realized that I know all of the words to all of the songs in it. Like, and they're not Christmas carols. They're original music that was made for this straight to VHS endeavor. <laughs> and also watching it as an adult, it has all of the original voice cast, plus Bernadette Peters, Tim Curry, and Paul Rubens added in <laughs> as the other three characters. And I just have to say that Tim Curry as an evil pipe organ is so genius. <laughs> I think we actually own that movie. Do we? Uh, if I can, if we still have all of the old Disney VHSs that we used to have in this house, then uh, unless Margaret took all of them, oh, that's a and she might have, <laughs> but we did at one point own the Beauty and the Beast Christmas special. I, I also did. I, I had it on VHS as a kid, and I loved it, loved it, loved it. And again, it is up on Disney Plus for anyone who wants to watch it, and uh, it's. I mean, I can't say that it's good, but it's great. <laughs> it brings you joy, and that's all that really matters in the end. Exactly. Exactly. So we are here to discuss a very different movie, but it's also a musical. The Dolly Parton Christmas on the Square movie that came out on Netflix. Uh, this movie was originally a stage play. Was it? Yes. Holy it moly, I did not know that. Written by Dolly Parton, released on Netflix on November 22nd, starring Dolly Parton, uh, Christine Baranski, Treat Williams, Josh Segarra, Mary Lane Haskell, a friend of yours, yep. Jennifer Lewis, uh, Janine Mason. Those are awesome names. Yep. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I know, I mean, again, well, I know at least one of them personally, but, <laughs> uh, but yeah. Molly, would you like to explain the premise of this film for our listeners? Uh, sure. It's kind of a, uh, it's kind of an updated Scrooge type story, uh, Christmas Carol type story where, uh, there is this idyllic small town in the Christmas season and a woman who ostensibly owns the entire town, question mark, um, <laughs> comes back into town and decides that she's going to sell off the whole town and serves everyone eviction notices, um, you know, right before Christmas. And then is visited by two angels um, to try to, or an angel and an angel in training. Uh, an angel and a half. Yeah, sure. Uh, to see if they can get her to change her ways and to change her mind and to keep this uh, town intact. All right, that's a good breakdown. Yeah, a woman who plans to sell a small town without regard for the people who live there receives a visit from an angel was the exact Netflix description. I was like, yeah, that, that does sum it up. You yeah. are correct, Netflix. Yes. Frankie was building this outline earlier and she was saying, like, 
well, we have to put a movie description. I also described it as uh, uh, Christmas Carol-esque. Yeah. Because it does very much have those elements of like a skin flint business person who's like taking their anger out on a whole bunch of people being visited by the spirit of Christmas and who winds up like saving a child with like the power of money. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. no, you're not wrong. I didn't even think about that part. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Amazing. So let's start with the things that we liked about this movie. Molly, would you like to begin? Oh, where to begin? So I will say Dolly Parton casting herself as a literal angel feels so on the nose. And yet it brings me such joy because um, she is. Uh, I will say there are a bunch of things that I actually really, really like about this movie musical. Uh, I think the casting is kind of great overall. Um I think Christine Baranski is doing amazing work. If you don't know who Christine Baranski is, uh, she has been in, she's just such an amazing character actress. And I feel like I've seen her all the time, but she's also a esteemed Broadway actress. And she is playing the kind of Scrooge-esque character who is named Regina. Sidebar, have you noticed that all Reginas in media are evil? Yeah, I was thinking about that before. Yeah. <laughs> right? Anyway. Um, and she is doing amazing, amazing work. The, I thought the choreography is really good. This was directed by Debbie Allen, I believe. Yes. Um, right. who is also a choreographer. So it is very good choreography and heavily featured choreography. Mm -hmm. Um, and I will say, so this is a really personal side note. As someone who is plus size and who is dating someone who is not, I super, super appreciate that in the pastor and the pastor's wife's relationship. And again, shout out to my college friend, Marilyn Haskell, who is doing an amazing job in this. Um, I love that they are both two beautiful people, one of whom happens to be plus size, and it's never commented on, and it's never, it's not even an aspect of the plot. It's just treated as something that's completely normal, as it, am I allowed to swear? No. As it F-bombing should be. <laughs> If you swear, I put a jingle bell over it. Okay. <laughs> we, we try and not for the Christmas. That's totally fair. That's why I asked. Although I apologize <laughs> if I slipped prior to this. Anyway. It's okay. Um, but yeah, I think that all of those are great. I think some of the music is stronger than other points of it. I think in general, the music is good, but it's not Jolene. Um <laughs> Few things are. Oh, right? Um but uh overall I will say I very much enjoyed watching this. It came out the day before my birthday and the day after I had had like the worst work day I've had all year. And so I was half comatose on my couch and I saw that it was up on Netflix and I just said, Yes, this. This is what I want. <laughs> and then I sent a bunch of Insta stories to my friend, Mary Lane, being like, you're on TV, which she has been on TV a bunch. So it's not that special for her. But um, but yeah, it was uh, cheesy and fun. And I think that's exactly as long as you go into it knowing that that's fine. 
Yeah. Uh, there were a couple of things that you said that I agreed with. I really liked that the relationship between Jenna and Pastor Christian was a loving relationship. Both people are heavily invested in each other. There was never any allusion to her being plus size. Even when they had that love song where she starts off saying, I don't understand why you love me. It's never about her physical appearance. Mm -hmm. It's more like she thinks that he's so good. Yeah. And it's more about purity of spirit, I think. Yeah, I buy Which, that. you know, still weird, but okay. <laughs> also, can we just point out the fact that there's a Christian pastor whose name is Christian? Like, just <laughs> Dolly Parton, you you beautiful, sold <laughs> human. I just thank you for that. And thank you for starting off this movie as a pigeon. <laughs> she was a pigeon. Well, Wait, like Dolly I missed Parton. That. Yeah, no. She was a homeless person, but she basically looked like a pigeon. Right, she had like feathers in here and she was all wearing gray and she had like a scarf around her neck and she had just this like box that had like very clearly screen printed on it the word change. Yep. And it's just like there aren't a lot of things that I love about this movie. <laughs> I, I think that it was one of the uh, overall weaker Christmas movies that we saw. But when it went when it went for cheese, it went full on fondue fountain into the cheese and it's just everywhere. And I appreciate that if, if nothing else. Yes, it is coated in fromage. The whole thing. One of the best things about this movie, I felt, was the best bartender in all of fiction. Oh my god. Yes. Violet. Oh my god. <laughs> just, just. I'm growing up in the back of a bar with access to the internet. What do you think? Oh, I love her. This this eight-year-old? Yeah, I think she's about eight. Serving up Regina whiskey and then singing a duet with her with a rocks glass full of chocolate milk about how they've both just seen so much in life and it's changed them. God, I love My it. God. The chemistry between Christine Baranski and this little girl playing Violet, whose name I did not look up and that's on me, I apologize. But the chemistry between them was so good. They yes. played off each other so well. That was my favorite scene in the entire movie. I actually solidly agree with you there. I think that was the best scene, hands down. Oh, it was so great. I did also like the reveal that Regina's assistant was an angel in training there to try and get her to change her heart and therefore change her mind. Yeah. I like the idea as a plot line. I felt like... There were too many plot lines. Yes, this is a movie full of things. So yeah. many things. And all but the kitchen sink got put into this. And again, like, I should, I'm not mad about it because I was fully amused the whole time. But there is right. a certain amount of watching it going, wait, what? This too? Yeah, I completely relate. Like, most of the time, I was just amused and delighted. And baffled and confused. <laughs> yeah, that, that sums up. Um, yeah. Uh, I thought Marjolaine was a really cool character, but yeah. she made a lot of weird choices. Such choices. Jennifer Lewis making such strong choices. Yeah. Hey, listen, if you're going to make a choice, make it a big one. Wait, can we make the second favorite moment slash second favorite characters, maybe? Um, the two... Uh, presumably queer-coded uh, oh, yeah. character gay guys who work in the salon um, 
But the fact that one of them, when they're talking about like all the terrible things that are going to happen when they ruin small town America, and one of them's like, but I like those things. (laughs) One of the most relatable characters. (laughs) Truly. Also, I do also like movie theaters and sushi. I like movie theaters and sushi and expensive coffee. I don't drink coffee, actually. That's a lie. But I like movie theaters and sushi. But yeah, and the moment when you cut from like the very, the very Christmassy, Christmassy, Christmassy opening to all of the sudden voguing in the hair salon, again, (laughs) so on the nose. (laughs) So on the nose that it, it almost, it hurts, but it's great. But also, like, Regina walking into that salon and then serving up her, like, her her only friend. Mm-hmm. And she's, as is said multiple times this movie, her only friend in eviction notice. And then she's like, okay, I'm going to be back tomorrow for you to cut my hair. And, like, wait, what? Yeah. Regina, what? Do you, what, what do you, what makes you think she's not just going to shave your head? Right? Oh. Right? Like, because I would have. That's very trusting. I know. It feels very, it feels very naive to let someone near your hair who you have just pissed off. It's the very rich person mentality of, I have money, therefore nothing can hurt me. Yes. Uh, I did, while it was ridiculous, I did really enjoy this opening scene where Regina is just handing out eviction notices to everyone, including small children and dogs. Yes. (laughs) Because she's evicting the whole town. Now, can we sidebar into the logistics of this? Because does she own... Okay, so here's what I... Maybe we should just say that this is not a movie to go into to poke holes in because it's Swiss cheese. Yeah. It's full of holes. Just enjoy the fun. But I also enjoy poking holes in things. This is... I mean, I've never been evicted, but I don't think this is how evictions work. It, it isn't. <laughs> no, no, there are there are contracts, there are leases. You you cannot just evict someone uh, with, with with no reason other than oh, I'm selling everything. Yeah, I'm like, do these? Yeah, I was about to say, do these people not have a lease? And maybe it's just like it was such a quaint, small hometown thing that the that her father never made them have a lease. They just paid their rent when they could type of thing which doesn't seem that far out of the realm of possibility given what we learn about her father as a person but it's just wild to me i'm like none of these people's leases would be ending all at the same time and also you have to give people notice you can't give people like two days um and also like all of them could just not sign yeah yeah like what, what what's she gonna do if they just all refuse to leave? It sounds like we're transitioning into things that we didn't like a little bit. Okay. Um, before we do anything else that you want to highlight as like, no, I definitely like this and thought this was good. I mean, there are lots of things that I loved, but I think they are summed up under the fromage train. <laughs> okay, so let's use this as a way to get into the things that we didn't like so much, which is while. It lends to the kind of fantasy and the kind of, like, outlandish Christmas tale. I didn't really enjoy the fact that everything was happening so fast and nothing seemed to make sense. It was very all over the place, and it felt like there were a lot of moving pieces that did not get 
the attention that they deserved to give them the impact that they needed. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is fully 10 movies crammed into one movie. Yeah. I felt like if you had focused simply on the land deal aspect of it, gotten rid of the angels, gotten rid of the weird fertility plot that I also hated, and just made it about this land deal and about Regina's feelings about her hometown as well as about her father, you could have resolved all the things without the help of the angels. Yeah, I I feel like the fertility plotline, which, like, again, not my favorite thing either, for uh, a whole host of reasons, got, like, sort of pushed off to the side. And then at one point, it's just like, oh, right, we should fix that uh, uh, magic. Yep. I think that there's, again, yeah, just it's, it's a bunch of movies all crammed into one movie. It's a, uh, it'll give you whiplash, poquito whiplash, yeah. <laughs> watching it. Um, but yeah, I think, so what I will say uh, on kind of a different note, uh, and I will say I watched uh, the first biopic for ABC uh, that was the Dolly Parton kind of about her childhood. Uh, and it's very, very good, but I will say it also has the same thing that this does, where it has really, really heavy Christian themes throughout. Um which is not my bag, personally. No judgment if it's other people's. Um, I will say I'm also far enough removed from religious themes. I didn't grow up in a religious household. Uh, I was actually raised kind of loosely pagan, and that's a conversation for a different time. <laughs> but uh, so I don't really have any specific like trauma related to growing up religious or anything like that. So I wouldn't, if that's the sort of thing like that, that does trigger any sort of trauma in your life or from your childhood or life experiences, this is maybe a little bit less fun because it does really heavily lean on faith and on God. And I feel like there are movies that have angels in them that lean a lot less on that. Like this does not Mm -hmm. feel like a secular movie to me. Yeah, I agree with you entirely. The Christian themes were overbearing for me personally. I grew up um, Roman Catholic, and my father took it pretty seriously. Seriously to the point where it was okay for him to, like, not practice, but God's all forbid that I don't practice, you know, that kind of hypocrisy. I was also raised in a uh, Roman Catholic household, although much less... um, practicingly i guess like when i was younger we'd go to like easter and christmas mass we were we were holiday catholics um (laughs) and if i behaved well on christmas eve mass i could open one present early that's how i got my uh talking white ranger uh tiger sword it was the greatest thing that i ever received as a child that's beside the point though (laughs) um but like um as as uh, you know a uh, gentleman who was a relatively militant atheist throughout high school because what, uh, you know, straight white boy isn't at some point or another in their life. Um, it was a bit much, especially because none of the other Christmas movies that we, like, ever really watch are really religious. Like, even A Christmas Carol is spiritual, but it's not really, like, 
religious. Right. Yeah. It's, it's like a just a secular spiritualism. No. And it's just it was it was a lot. Yeah, I agree. Another thing that I really didn't like about this movie is that we were supposed to look at Regina's father as a man who uh, could be forgiven for his actions, who uh, was not the cruel father that Regina saw him as. When in reality, he wouldn't let her go to a dance throughout her entire like childhood, frowned upon her having a boyfriend, and then when she got pregnant, removed her from the town's uh, view, refused to let her reconnect with the only person who would actually care about her and support her through this trying time, and then took her baby away from her when she begged him to let her keep it. And we're supposed to be like, no, Jack did what he had to do. Yeah, like, she has this, like, song somewhere near the end where she's, like, singing at his portrait where, like, it seems like she has forgiven him, but, like, he has not earned that. No. He has not earned... your feelings are so valid. Yeah. Yeah. No, listen, Regina, the town might deserve better than you, but you deserved better than him. Oh, so sassy and so on point. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's all I've got these days, sassy and on point. It's my whole life. I can completely understand why Regina would want to sell this entire town. So yeah. I, I, I'm kind of I can understand it as like an impulse to like destroy the thing that your parent loved because they destroyed the thing that you loved. Like I yeah. understand the impulse. I also under I I can understand more her wanting to not live there. Like, her opening of, yeah. like, gotta get out of this town. I'm like, yeah, valid, girl. Yeah, you don't like it oh, here. I get yeah. it. Um, leave. Sell it to the people. I really wish the resolution had been less, my father cared about me all along, and more, you know what, my feelings about this town are really based on my feelings about my father, and the townspeople do not deserve the ire that my father deserves. Yes. That it would really be should have been a separation. Yeah. Also, just... If we're talking about things that somehow, like, it's this light, fluffy tone to everything in the movie until suddenly it's uh, the scene in the bar and it's Christine Baranski and this little girl discussing which one of the two of them is at fault for her mother's death. Yep. And suddenly you're just like, oh, oh, no. (laughs) Also... And this is a thing that made me very, very uncomfortable is the thing that pushes Regina's character to like grow as a person and like get over herself is a young girl almost dying. Yeah. No, thank you. Don't want it. You had a nice fluffy movie this whole time and then you almost kill a small child. No, thanks. Also, about Violet being in that accident and everybody thinking that she's not going to wake up. She's been in the hospital for like five minutes and her father's already singing, If you have to die, I understand. (laughs) But that actor is such a good singer, though. No, he is. He is a good singer, but I don't understand why you're willing to let your child go after five minutes. Also, the timeline of this is all so compressed that, like, for us, it's been five minutes, and, like, it seems like it's been five minutes in the movie, but, like, I guess maybe it's been five weeks? No, no. This no, starts, like, two days before Christmas. It's, like, a two-day movie. It's the same day. It's the same day. And, in fact, my thought, because uh, I watched this twice, I watched it, again, once the day before my birthday, and then once, um, once th- th- today, 
And watching it today, watching him sing him his song, I'm like, can someone please give him a shirt? Because his is covered in blood. And I just feel like he just, I would like him to have a shirt that's not covered in blood, please. I would like him to have a song that is not about how he's willing to let his daughter walk the stairway to heaven. Yeah. He yeah. deserves a different song. Yeah. This is a bad song for you, <laughs> sir. No me gusta. Oh, God, I hated that so much. Um, I mentioned before that I hated the fertility plotline, but I like to really drive home how much I hated it. <laughs> Drag them. It just, it had no place in this movie. Like you said, they pushed it off to the side and they resolved it at the end by Dolly Parton pointing at her woman being like, bam, you have a baby now. Yeah. Dolly Parton impregnated a woman. Yeah. I Do- mean... Like- like we, it's one of the first things that we get in the movie is that like, um, um, I can't remember the character's name. Jenna. Jenna. Um, like, and they're like doing fertility treatments, and then like we forget it in the shuffle of the Regina plotline, and then all of a sudden it's just like, oh, here's second Jesus. Boop. But also, <laughs> if the fertility treatments don't work, you can still adopt. You have options. Oh, yeah. oh why oh, wouldn't just... you wanna? Uh, why wouldn't you want to adopt when Christian was adopted? So that's my other note. That's my other moment of just. I didn't think about it the first time at all. And then the second time watching it today, I'm like, you know, in this town, there's like one guy in this tiny town who's adopted. And and no one thought, oh, like Regina never had the thought of like, oh, this one guy who's adopted. Hmm. Who's the exact same age. I mean, maybe she just left and bounced and. And that's why. But it's never mentioned that he's adopted. And uh, did he know? Is this news to him? Is he just finding out that he was adopted? Small Maybe. towns are good at two things. Gossiping about everyone who's ever lived in there and ignoring inconvenient truths. <laughs> I've never lived in a small town, so I wouldn't know. I've only lived in college towns and cities. So I am the evil. Oh, that's the other thing. Um, Again, I love this. So uh, my rule about problematic media is I am allowed to enjoy it no matter how problematic it is, as long as I can acknowledge to myself and to anyone else consuming the media and we can have a discussion about it. because That seems mm-hmm. like a positive twist. And also as long as I'm not giving money to anyone who's an awful person. Right. Um, and that's important. But there is definitely a weird uh, kind of overarching theme to this. That's also the overarching theme to a lot of Hallmark Christmas movies even though this is not a Hallmark one, it's Netflix, um, that, like, the evil coastal elites are bad and, like, small town middle of the country is where it's at. Yeah. Those are the real people, which, you know, isn't true. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta love populism. Because that's never done anything bad before. Also, Uh. like all other... Christmas movies. I just have to ask, are there Jewish people in this town? Probably not. Are there, are there, is there anyone who's not Christian in this town? Because can you imagine being the one Jewish guy living in that town? (laughs) Yep. Being just like. Realistically, a small town would have like three churches and they would all compete with each other. Oh, wow. Again, that's. Yeah. I've I mean, I've need, toured you need Baptist, you need Presbyterian, you need Catholic. Oh, I've toured in uh throughout a decent chunk of the Midwest as a musician and again having grown up mostly in um a very 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 tiny liberal chunk of well all of Massachusetts liberal but I'm from the tiniest liberalist 
chunk of Western Massachusetts, and then living in New York and Philadelphia. The thing that struck me driving through, you know, Wisconsin is like, holy crap, those churches are big. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's just, I just kept thinking about like the one guy who's like, well, I guess I don't go outside for the month of December. (laughs) Our thoughts are with that guy. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Do we have anything else that we want to highlight before we move on to our our arbitrary rating? Um, I just want to say again that I'm biased, but Mary Lane Haskell is a freaking star and also like a star of a human being in life. She's had a a bunch of really crazy stuff happen, like beyond the pandemic stuff this year. And I love her and I think she's super talented. And, you know, we are we are college friends. We're not like hang out all the time friends but at the same time I'm just like super proud every time I get to see her in something and it's really nice I really loved her I thought she did a great job uh portraying Jenna I thought she had a beautiful voice she moved so gracefully I did think it was weird that it was December and she was wearing high heels with like no stockings or anything I got nothing on that. (laughs) That was my only thing. But I did love her. I thought that she was amazing. And I hope you share this with her and let her know that we talk nice things about her. I will. She's great. Uh, That being said, uh, let's rate this movie. So we give all the movies we watch an arbitrary rating. Molly, out of five tree toppers, how many tree toppers does Christmas on the Square get? So I'm going to give it four, and I'm going to give it four with the understanding that you are going in for cheese balls and Dolly Parton in a bunch of ridiculous white outfits, not like Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> John, how would you rate it? I, I, I feel bad now because I have to rate it uh, two out of five. Uh, Dolly Parton, if you're listening to this, I love you and, and you're great, but um, it the plot hung loosely like an <laughs> off the rack suit um there were too many religious overtones for my personal taste um and it was it was a lot <laughs> it was three christmas movies in a trench coat trying to sneak into an r rated movie and they stumbled a bit i give this movie three tree toppers uh i was delighted for good bits of it but it also made me angry a lot so (laughs) i'm gonna say three three tree toppers i will say i did not this is jumping to a different one that i don't know if you've released yet i did not feel infused with the same level of deep anxiety that i did while watching happiest season and that's the only released that today as of recording (laughs) hey and so that's the only other 2020 christmas movie i have watched so far we talk about that, so hey. go ahead and listen to that as well. Do it. <laughs> so you can hear my extended thoughts on this movie if you're a patron of the Solid Listen Podcast Network uh, at the $5 tier over on Patreon. I guested on the 12 Months of Christmas podcast with my friend David Baxter. Thanks for joining us for this limited run of Certain Point of Yule. Certain Point of Yule is a Certain Point of View production. Head over to CertainPOV.com to find a link to our Discord and join in the conversation. I'm Frankie. I'm John. And I'm Molly. Happy holidays. Yay! We love you. Goodbye.
CPOV. CertainPOV.com.